Oh, trendsetters, this is episode 647 of the Transmove Podcast. My name is Tim Egg, and if you have a question for the show, jump on through to the website, transmove.com, or send me through an email, tim at transmove.com. Now, what a crazy week this has been for the triathlon community with bloody... Um, Oh, God, take what's his name? Um, Colin Chardier um, getting done for EPO. And this is probably the first big, decent name that gets popped in the sport for a long time. And I was trying to think about this before. Um, we had, um, oh, what was her name? Uh, Nina Craft got popped. She, she won the Ironman World Championships in um, it wasn't 2005, it wasn't 2005 she won at the I'm trying to think now um, Ferris Al Sutton won the males in 2005 so it was the year before that, 2004 the year Norman Stadler won and um, she, she got popped yeah, um, pretty well straight after the 2004 so so it's been a while. We've had a few pros, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth tier pros, um, kind of bunch of nobodies that gets popped here and there, and it barely makes barely makes the news. And um, but this is the first proper one, and and like always, I have an opinion. The part of me thinks it's great. I like it because um, a lot of the up and coming up and coming athletes um, in the junior development s- systems, um, young pros, um, they haven't really needed to they haven't experienced anything like this. Uh, um, a lot of them, you know, you know, even cycling's been cleaned for a little while. This is the biggest probably thing that most of them experienced since Lance Armstrong went down. And people that are, you know, my age, we, you know, we, we still remember the Festina, the Festina affairs back in '98 uh, that, you know, just about crippled the sport. Um, and then uh, along came um, Armstrong and built it back up. But then in 2012, when he went back down, that really 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 just about financially crippled cycling and it's only been in the last what three four maybe five years but i'm thinking closer to four three to four years the industry the sports kind of settled back into it got back on its feet but how many people teams um lost their jobs contracts gone all because of um doping and so these athletes that are coming up now they've there's a lot to learn here we get to see and this is the first time that um, i can remember where we can um see you know him coming out saying yeah he 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 dope but now we get to see what the effects from it I, i remember you know just like pretty well all australians in um when we got hit with this news we all woke up super early for anzac day and we're hit with this so I, I remember seeing um luke mckenzie talk, uh, talking about it luke mckenzie was one of his sponsors um so we now get to see he's in tears and um we, we get to see it from a, a sponsor's point of view who truly believed in him who was a sponsor of him before he really became known 
We get to see it from his training partners. So we get to see it from his competitors. Josh Amberger, who got second at an Ironman to him. Um, and now, he, you know, if you're on Instagram, I think it, I read it on Instagram, if you look at his, um, what he wrote about the situation, it's d- d- directly impacted him. He, you know, and we can, you can go um two ways a lot of us are very suspicious from his story saying he started in november after having a pretty spectacular season and you think to yourself is that true you just don't want to pay back the the, all that prize money you got the hundred thousand dollars at the pto um us open or whatever it was called then you got the sixteen thousand dollar bonus at the end by the pto plus he got the you know um bonuses from sponsors for for winning these these races and placing in other races um and so that that's clearly if you had to pay all that back you'd imagine that's clearly going to be bankrupting the the poor poor guy and I, i say that pretty loosely calling him the poor guy but um so don't jump down my throat on that one um so i i understand if he is you know, telling a whole lot of bullcrap to try and minimise the financial impact to him. But if if we take him for his word and that he started in November, it's just like, it makes no sense. That's, yeah, it'd be interesting to see once, we're, I'd, I'd imagine the, the story, we might eventually get the, the true story in years to come like we do with so many other doping cases in, in, um, in particular in cycling. Um, where I'm a, I'm a huge cycling fan, and I and I read a lot of cycling books, and most of the books are from past dopers, and the impact that that that's occurred in their lives is incredible, and it's um, but I I do recommend if you haven't heard his interview on how do they train, um, it's worth going back and listening to it, and and if you're like me that just couldn't get enough of it i actually re-listened to his um podcast with how do they train with his training weeks and that training week um he talks about leading like um between iron man and the pto race that, that he won both he was putting in crazy 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 training volume really was and you just think to yourself how do you do that without epo now now that we're thinking about it but then it's it's yeah it's crazy and then um i would also i so laughed at listening to the his confession um you know on um how do they train i would also go listen to joe skipper's podcast he they've released two episodes on this um and both of them are very insight insightful um definitely worth um listening to it's uh yeah and then and then the biggest entertainment of this whole thing has come from reading everyone's comments on social media it's um yeah it's some just about want to give him the death penalty and others feel for him and it's yeah it's it it's strange but at least i like it as i said before purely that if we can get young athletes and some of some of these pros um to can actually see 
um, use it, have create a case study from this saying, look, you know, if you're stupid enough to take EPO, and and you know, I listened to an interview recently with Charles Son, an MMA fighter, and he he talks about um, doping in mixed martial arts and how it's pretty full on, and he he says it's. The testing, it's, you know, it's more or less an IQ test. It's, you know, if you get caught. And and if 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 we were to take Colin for his word with what he says, then there's severe cases of self-sabotage going on there. Severe cases of self-sabotage. And um, I... I I generally Jack from that podcast um, does a really really good job, but I I'm yelling at my um, at my speaker saying ask him this, ask him that, and so it'd be interesting to see um, a follow up a follow up podcast would be be pretty nice actually, but yeah it's um. Yeah, and and you you see, I, you know, I coach um, twenty eight athletes at the moment, and definitely not accepting any more too. By the way, I want that number down a bit. But um, I coach twenty eight athletes, and not a week goes past, not a not one single week has gone past, and I've been coaching since. It was either two thousand and fourteen or two thousand and fifteen. I started somewhere around there, and. Not a single week has gone past where I haven't seen um, a form of self-sabotage from athletes. Generally, in the lead-up to big races, that um, between eight weeks out and four weeks out are generally the biggest chunks of time where you see athletes self-sabotaging. And um, and it, you know, not not to this extreme. Um, generally, we're talking they de- miss deliberate miss sessions, sleeping in that when they hadn't done in the past. Um, all of a sudden, they're starting to gain all this weight on because they're starting to eat way too much, or they're just starving themselves because they've got this certain number, race weight number in their mind, and all of a sudden, sessions are dying. Or um, one thing, I, you know, it's not a week goes past where I don't see it. And so, as I'm listening to this podcast um, of this confession, and I'm thinking. I, I don't buy his story, but if I did, and I, maybe I should be buying it because that's the only information I've yet to go off, um, there's huge, huge signs of self-sabotage right through um, from, you know, apart from taking the bloody thing to why would you answer the door when when you're bloody glowing and um you, you know if you I, I, my understanding is you've got three you can do three missed tests before you get in um get your ass kicked and um, but anyway but it's it's a, it's an interesting interesting thing and everyone's got an opinion like myself and um, some are way extreme and some of them not. But what's the the opinions that matter to me the most are the ones that are from the people that have been directly um, 
impacted. You know, you're Lionel Sanders, he sponsors um, athletes that tra- that trained with him, athletes that were um, tra- um, raced against. So I, I, I probably care more about their opinions than... than but, yeah, it's... it's um, and then you've got irresponsible people. I, I was, was reading these comments from... Um, this triathlon coach I won't mention him um, he's not well well known but I know of him and um, he, he's I knew knew the um, the Norwegian system was broken you all knew, and it started blaming all them putting them on Davis I'm thinking that's gee whiz that's bloody wildly irresponsible for even broadcasting that on your own platform <laughs> but yeah you know, it's just just I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I I would like um, his coach, um, Mikel Eden, to come out with some all all the data that he that he's been collecting and saying, well, maybe since he's been coaching him, or it, it's been level. So maybe he's been started doping well before, or it, from November it did spike. Now look at this, and you know, it'd be interesting to see. Anyway, um, you guys didn't really tune in to listen to me talk about this, I'm assuming. So today's question comes from Mark, who writes, uh, and if you want to be like Mark and send your questions, training, racing, nutrition, it doesn't matter. It makes me feel you know, wildly satisfied knowing that someone's remotely interested in my opinion on something. Tim at Trainsmove.com, you can send those questions through to, and that's what Mark did. He wrote, I have an Ironman Fastly approaching in a couple of months, and I was wondering about race nutrition. Um, how best should I carry my nutrition? Are these are there places for me to keep food throughout the race? Um, should I rely on nutrition from the race? And if so, will there be enough on course, oh, would there be enough for me to finish? Um, so, uh, the, so the, the good question. So, um, my approach and opinions definitely different than uh, most people that I race against and or with, for instance. Um, I, I personally rely heavily on the nutrition on race course. Um, we've heard horrible stories in the past um, about races not having enough nutrition on course and they ran out of gels and this and that. And um, But all those stories that I've generally heard of are pre-me being into the sport Um I've only ever seen stocked aid stations. So generally when when we're talking about Ironman, on the bike it's every 15 kilometres you're going to get an aid station and in that aid station you're going to have water, you're going to have a sports drink, they're going to have gels, they're going to have bananas chopped in half. Um, that's generally about it. Every On the run itself, every generally every two kilometres you're going to get an aid station and they, they're going to also, as well as offer you what, what I've already said that's on the bike course, they're also going to offer um, Coke, um, 
generally lollies and there's going to be a generally one aid station per lap where there's going to be red bull as well um and and i may be missing i know there, there will be some other little things like um in australia some of the aid stations will have Vegemite on um, popsicle sticks, and w- and when you're you know 20 miles into into the marathon and you see bloody Vegemite, oh god, there's nothing nicer. You bloody start running around. I've got all these bloody popsicle sticks in in in, in between each each um, fingers, and I'm running like I'm bloody Edward Scissorhand straight into my mouth. They're bloody beautiful, but um, so. I and I'm just talking for me, and I'll and I'll go into what others do in a second. So for for me, I, I and include incl- I do this in training as in training as well. I generally only have one water bottle, drink bottle on board, and um, though my new giant Trinity has a, a fuel system now, so it's a little bit different. But generally, I would only have the one drink bottle, and I would um through and all my training's based around where all the where i can fill that bottle up as i go but uh, in races um I'll, I'll you know you you throw the bottle down you say so take an old bottle for for the race because as you're approaching each aid, aid station you throw the bottle just before it and then you catch it and they'll have people with the bottle step with their arms sticking out you yell out water or you know gatorade or whatever the hell you want and you just grab and there was someone was like yep and you grab that as you're going and you put it on and you, you off you go um, so that's generally, and then what what I do is I carry four. Well, I have home my homemade gels generally, but when at the times I did carry gels, um, I would carry four gels with me with me on on the on the bike, and then I would try and keep at least two on the bike at any one time. So if I can't get one on at an aid station for any reason, I've got enough to get to the next aid station, if not the aid station next to that. Generally. And um, but that that's just what I do. So uh, many athletes and many coaches go on the theory that a hundred percent of their nutrition that they'll they'll be self sufficient themselves. They're not going to rely whatsoever on course on um, course nutrition. Um, so they will completely, you know, bring three thousand gels with them. They've got three hundred bottles hanging off their bike, um, and you, they start the run. They've got they're carrying bottles. They got you know, plus they got bottles in the um, special needs bags now. These races, you will have a special needs bag, so it's called, um, for the bike and one for the run. Um, and what it is is. A, plastic bag which i mean like to charge ten dollars for now and you get to stick anything you want in that bag whether it's more gels um i've, I've seen um pack of chips and all sorts of good stuff in those things There's some of them they you know you think what is someone pulling over mid-race to have a picnic or it's 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 chockers and so um so and generally when it comes to that as you're approaching there's going to be a little you know special needs sign and someone there and you yell out your number you go 100 and then they'll hop on their little cb radio and go 100's approaching and then someone will be there you know um 500 meters up the road with your bag so you can grab it you can grab all the crap out of it as you're rolling and then you can just toss the bag and it's you've got a very small window of um 
distance before you can toss the bag after that distance you you've got to keep that bag on you or or run the risk of being dq'd if you if you do toss it or you can just pull over and grab what you need and, and off you go me personally i don't carry nutrition generally in that oh, oh well i'll carry uh I'll, I'll put a spare bag of um salt sticks in there uh, um for the, in just in case moment you know it's best to have and not need but i'll also carry in there um spare tubes yeah just to be on this and an o2 cylinder just to be on the safe side knowing full well that that will most likely be get chucked in the bin after the race um but i'd I'd, and most races you're able to access that on either your second lap or after 90 k's or whatever you generally can't access those bags in the first 22 k's of the race for instance um and on the run i i generally um you uh, the rules may have changed on this but you may uh, you you may i think you had to do at least one lap on the run course before you can access it but that rule may have may have changed or i may be getting mixed up it's possible and so in there you can just carry you know have whatever crap you want in those bags um for for me i would carry the um just just some emergency salt tablets and some um more homemade gels for that just in case with the with the hope i'll never need it and generally i don't i never need it (laughs) um but i always think it's because you generally you don't get these bags back so you so don't you don't be putting um you know halfway through the race you're you're irritated by your heart rate strap so i'm just going to stick it in there i'll get it back tomorrow it it generally doesn't work like that once you whatever once you're done with that bag i'm the understanding they get tossed these days um having said all that whatever you stick onto your bike for your nutrition so um you're getting a you get these little nutrition bags now that just well they've been around 100 years um they just go to your top tube of your bike um you could just stuff it in quite nicely um whatever you're going to stick on your bike um bottles or whatever please 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 do that in training multiple times um multiple rides multiple different types of rides um the amount of races i go i've been to and crap's fallen left right and center and and generally a lot of these aid stations not aid stations these transition areas are in um big car parks and so as you exiting you're going to be going over a speed hump and the amount of crap that comes off a bike during that very first speed hump um fuel systems of like the hydration systems bike bottles bloody um all sorts of stuff comes off these things um and so and it's and a lot of that's purely done because they've got oh yeah i'll put that on on race day and they've they've never trained with, with the bottle in that position or they've never connected it properly so it's you got you know there's that saying train how you're going to race um and it's definitely applicable when it comes to things like that um but it but personally my uh but my my theory would be um find out what your what nutrition is going to be on race day what brand generally i for some reason i want to say morton's um got the global contract at the moment for supplying um gels and crap for ironman um 
I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. And so, and they're expensive. And it, I, th- I think I've told the story here on the podcast. Uh, I think so. If not, it's a good story to repeat. Where um, an Australian pro, I think he's well and truly retired now, David Dello, who was winning Ironman Australia. And this is, um, he was financially crippled, sort of thing. He's winning Ironman Australia. He's got Timmy Reid coming up behind him. And he's. Um, gets to the last aid station before the end of, you know, before he crosses the line and wins the race. And he knows he's got Iron Man cans coming up six weeks later. So as he's getting past this aid's last aid station, he stops and he grabs as many gels as he possibly can and stuffs them all into his back of his um, kit and really stuffs them because he had no more money. And he crosses the finishing line because he needed all these gels to get him through all his training before he can get to Ironman Cairns in six weeks' time. And um, I'll always remember that story because it's just a bloody great funny story and it just also shows you some of these, some of these um, boys and girls out there that are just, giving it their all just financially virtually financially crippled because everything's going into this sport and so but the Morton gels you need to, to buy that sort of stuff to buy the, those gels and use a lot of them in training you, decent decent uh, price tag on those all of a sudden you go for a six hour bike ride and all and you go right in those last three hours i'm going to consume um 100 grams of carbs per hour and you think geez this is probably would have been cheaper to you know <laughs> it's bloody expensive all of a sudden you work out you've just you've just done a 50 dollar bike ride <laughs> just in gels <laughs> yeah. oh if you if i hope that helps mate um if i haven't answered your question which i'm worrying i haven't um just send me a message you know we we've um yeah, just Tim at Transmove.com and I'll go into more detail via email. If you guys have any other questions, Tim at Transmove.com until next episode. Hero.